This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. On the other side of midnight, I'm Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano this morning. Frank has the morning off. According to a new report, Barack Obama is concerned that President Biden won't be able to stop Donald Trump from returning to the White House in 2024. A report in the Wall Street Journal quotes a source stating Obama knows this is going to be a close race and feels that Democrats very well could lose. Moreover, according to the source and the Wall Street Journal, Obama fears the alternative is pretty dangerous for democracy. The 44th president's comments illustrate growing jitters in the Democratic Party about Biden's prospects of being reelected. Our guest right now is a political consultant that has been predicting Trump could win for about a year or longer. And we say good morning to you, Hank Sheinkoff. Good morning, Dominic. Thank you for having me here, and I'm grateful to your guests for listening to us this morning. Well, I agree. I agree, as folks are listening from around the country. So, one, what do you make of this Obama stuff? Well, look, it's a reasonable concern by a past president who was, frankly, remember Joe Biden, which is vice president, about the future direction of the country. He also was, importantly, our first African-American president. Um, and what he sees is a uh, is frankly based upon the Wall Street Journal poll. If he's looking at that, and it's likely that he is a reduction in intensity of interest in Joe Biden by African Americans, a splintering of the Jewish vote for Joe Biden, a splintering of the of the Muslim vote. All constituencies that the Democrats need to win that presidential election, and they need it with intensity, by the way, and also to hold on to the House, to take the House back, and to hold on to the Senate. These are real issues. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, for you to break down the Wall Street uh, Journal uh, poll off the top of your head, it is impressive here. But I want to ask you something else before we continue. Some of the headlines from recent days 
illustrate the tensions, Hank Scheinkoff, between Mr. Biden, the president of the United States of America, and Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel. Here are some of the headlines as of late. Biden warns Israel it is losing support over war. A second headline, in dueling remarks, Biden and Netanyahu spar over Gaza's future. A third headline, rifts between Biden and Netanyahu spill into public view. Explain the tensions between the president of the United States and the prime minister of Israel. Look, I think it's kind of a game, if you want to know the truth. Um, We should back it up and look at the real... uh, put on my PhD in political science hat and look at the real issues here. We are close to World War III. We haven't been closer probably since the Cuban Missile Crisis. The uh, battles in uh, the Ukraine and in the Middle East right now have nothing to do with Israel, nothing to do with Ukraine, everything to do with the United States and Russia, everything to do with the United States and Iran. The enemy in, Iran, in, in the Middle East is not Hamas. The, in, the enemy is the fact that Hamas is a, um, it's a proxy as is Hezbollah, as are the Houthis in Yemen, for one enemy of the United States and of the West. And that enemy is Iran. Anybody who thinks otherwise is delusional. The problem in the Ukraine is similar. The enemy there is Russia. Russia's desire has been to disassemble NATO since NATO was created and to allow itself, Russia, to walk back into Europe and control a larger, a larger portion of Europe overall. So once we get past that, we can have a reasonable explanation about the Netanyahu thing. Part of this is real. Because Americans are, you know, have never really understood the nature of war. Uh, they won the Second World War because they were able to overpower the enemy with material. Um, the Americans came to a draw in uh, against the Chinese, and that's where they're fighting in North Korea because they fought a traditional war. They lost the war in Vietnam because they fought a traditional war in a non-traditional setting. They won the Iraq War because they were against the first Iraq War because they were against an enemy that was, uh, frankly, incapable of, of providing the material support and strength that was required, and they lost the other wars. What are we talking about here? Americans are looking at this in a backwards way. The enemy is not Netanyahu and the Israelis, and the nonsense on campuses will will be turned around the day the Iranians control the Mediterranean basin, which would be the end of democracy as we know it, and the end of our capacity to defend ourselves. Well, explain uh, two points I want to follow up, one that you just made. One, the nonsense on college campuses around the country. Hank Scheinkoff, you are an expert at what you do. You've worked in Israel. You know the issues. What is going on with these lost college kids siding against Israel and in favor of, uh, of Hamas when they don't know anything really about the issues? Well, you know, Dominic, forgetting about um my religion and my personal allegiances for a moment. The the problem here is that Qatar and others have invested tens of billions of dollars in campuses. They have spent the last 20 years creating an environment that is less interested in teaching people and more interested in indoctrinating them. That intersectionality and other things that we've suddenly heard about where anybody from the West is automatically, or thought to be from the West, is automatically an oppressor sounds good until these children wake up one day and find themselves having no freedom and living under Sharia law. The Europeans got the, got the joke. That's why they've been reacting the way they have when there's, uh, when there's problems with civil disobedience and disturbances that somehow have been agitated over events in the Middle East. 
Now, everybody has a right to protest, but the intimidation of Jewish students on campuses is an indication of where this is going to go, because it always begins with the Jews, Dominic, but doesn't end with the Jews. And people need to wake up and understand that our children really don't know anything. They're really not learning anything. What they are doing is being told that the West or people who come from the West in any way are bad. Well, here's the, here's the great joke here, by the way. More than 50% of the population of the state of Israel, just as an aside, happens to be non-white. They're from, the North, they're from North Africa, and play, North, significantly from North Africa and the Middle East. And those are not, those are brown people, last I looked. And to think otherwise is delusional, but it tells you the lack of knowledge our students have and the fact that they're activating themselves as enemies of the West. And the end result of this will be in the next generation, unless we're able to fix this quickly, disaster. So explain, and we are chatting here on the other side of uh, Midnight. I'm Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano. We are chatting with the political consultant Hank Scheinkoff. Explain this uh, to me because uh, a, a number of calls that we receive uh, from around the country where listeners are stating that the United States government should not be telling Israel how to handle this war uh, in terms of with Hamas. And to that, Hank Scheinkoff, you say what? I say that any death in war or in any other way is a tragedy, and that it, it pains me as a human being to see the dead, uh, dead citizens of Gaza um, as a result of a war created by someone who decides, by a group that decides and believes, according to their charter, that rape, assault, abuse, murder, um, humiliation, and public death is a fine way to conduct a, a policy. And the tragedy here is that the, 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 the Arab people living in Gaza are paying the price for that. And telling Israel to my, that is, you know, the people who support a democracy, in many cases, are telling uh, Biden to do what you're doing in the Ukraine, you know, really let the Jews do their business. The Israelis not to fight that war. Um, they're finding tunnels. Everything they said they would, they're finding. And uh, there's nothing that's, un that's bad here except that people are dying, but that's what happens in war. And it's tragically so, but to have these children idiots and their, and their acolytes running through the streets talking about genocide is beyond imagination. First of all, it defies human history to, to say these things stupid like that. And you have to explain to me how you can have genocide when the population has grown by 60% since the Israelis withdrew in 2005 voluntarily from Gaza. There is no occupation. It's nonsense. Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. Let me ask you this, Hank Scheinkoff, political consultant, before we take a break here. Something that happened recently, the Supreme Court will decide whether former President Trump has immunity January 6th. And the way I see it, and I want your professional uh, analysis on this, there goes that March trial that the uh, feds wanted. And what does all of this mean? Well, it means you have, you have first of all, yeah, let's go back a moment. You have both parties are in very serious trouble in this country. We have a two-party system. Uh, we've even made sure that legislators and local, uh, local courts uphold that. We have those laws in place. We're a two-party system. Both parties are in very serious trouble. They're both brittle. The Republicans are much more cohesive in many ways because they are uh, moving more to the right more quickly in, in a more concentrated geographic area with greater intensity of their feeling and emotion. You can see it in the streets. It's now gone right to right. So what does this mean? It means that either Trump is going to get stronger or Trump is going to get stronger. 
question is what happens <laughs> in New Hampshire and Iowa? Different issue. We are chatting with political consultant Hank Scheinkoff here on the other side of Midnight. I'm Dominic Carter. In for Frank Marano. We will be right back. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. And we are back here on the other side of Midnight. I'm Dominic Carter filling in for Frank Morano. Frank has a well-deserved day off. So, Hank Scheinkoff, uh, as a major political consultant, you have been telling me this, I'd say, for about a year, that the polls were trending towards Trump. And then you said that he was ahead. And then you said he could win even though you deal with a lot of Democratic candidates. And then you said that the polling appeared to be completely in his favor. So where do things stand as of right now? You know, all politics, Dominic, is in the present tense, which means that five minutes in politics is akin to 20 years in anything else. Anything can happen. But you have to give Dom, you have to look and say, okay, absent what might occur in Iowa and New Hampshire against Donald Trump right now, he's the favorite to be the nominee. It's still his party. He still controls lots of it. What he says goes. He's like the boss behind the scenes. Um, and then you have to ask, well, if he gets in, if these trials occur and he doesn't get immunity, uh, does that strengthen his position? And the answer is potentially yes and potentially no, because we've never had a situation where we've had to actually poll or find research on to determine whether a candidate for the United States, particularly a former president who's under indictment, um, what is the efficacy or how good is that candidacy? We don't know because we haven't experienced it yet. So people can pontificate all they want, but we have no previous information on which to make a judgment. Now, I'm the idiot that said publicly and was quoted as saying in January of 2016 that Trump would be the Republican nominee. And in May of that year saying he would be the president. And I thought I'd be you know, ushered out of this world into a mental hospital. It didn't happen that way. You have to look and say what the facts are at the moment. Nikki Haley has some propulsion. She also has real money behind her now. Um, and winning New Hampshire, Iowa uh, is not an extraordinary event. You know, but if you look at it tactically, how you can do it. So if they're smart, they're going to try to win in New Hampshire and Iowa, uh, New Hampshire and Iowa. Yeah. Or one or the other. And if Nikki Haley does, it could change this thing thing significantly, at least for that moment. 
Well, let me be blunt about this. And we are chatting with political consultant Hank Sheinkoff here on the other side of midnight. Why are Democrats sticking with Biden, President Biden, when by almost all indications it appears that he cannot win? Well, I don't know that he can't cannot win. I mean, he's he's got a problem and that the, the, the brittleness of the coalition, the Democrats is breaking up. But that we see. Um, What's the real issue? The issue, there are several here. One is a generational shift. He's 81 years old. And Trump just looks, you know, Trump's crazy. So he acts out and he does the things he does, which people find amusing. It's kind of like a carnival barker, but it makes him appear current. Biden is trying to be the president. Tough job. You can't do off the cuff things and be a serious president. That's the difference in their styles, number one. Number two, the economy. Um, although it is improving, people are still feeling some sense of, uh, of pain from inflation that is just beginning to recede. The cost of food and other items is beginning to drop, but it's still not where it was when Biden took office, number two. Number three, employment. Employment is overall very good, but again, the unemployment numbers are going to start slowly to come up. Interest rates are down, but people aren't giving him the kind of credit he deserves. And uh, finally, we're at war in two places, and what looks like to be, if not managed properly, the beginning of the Third World War. This is very, 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 very serious. Uh, Trump and the Republicans around him don't seem to believe how serious this is, or at least they're not saying it. But Biden's in the middle of it. No one likes to undermine a president war. By the same token, no Americans have a problem with chaos and disorder. And that's what they see experience. They seem to be experiencing right now. We are chatting with political consultant Hank Sheinkoff here on the other side of midnight. Frank Morano has the morning off. I'm Dominic Carter filling in. So so play with me here for a second, Hank Sheinkoff. If Biden were not at the top of the ticket, who would it be? I mean, you can't tell me Kamala Harris. She's not liked. And please don't tell me it's Gavin Newsom out of California. Who would be at the top of the ticket? Gavin Newsom would be one commercial and goodbye. You know, you just show San Francisco. Gavin Newsom, governor, governor of California. Well, here's San Francisco, major, <laughs> major city in his state. What do you see? Homeless people. What do you see? Crime is up. Drugs, abandonment of the city, investment down. Now Gavin Newsom wants to do for America what he's done for California. Is he kidding? I mean, that's a great ad. Goodbye, Charlie. The visuals are pretty clear. Um, the um, Kamala Harris, I don't think so. I mean, she doesn't sound serious, and she's... Uh, it's too late for uh, too late for rhetoric lessons. Um, the Democrats really don't have anybody who can step in. And the other question, Dominic, people fail to consider is incumbent presidents do not leave office. The last one to leave office voluntarily or to not seek a second term is more accurate. Was the one Lyndon Baines Johnson. That was in 1968. He said he would not accept. He would not seek. Nobody accept. And he would not accept the nomination of his party to be president of the United States. That was the statement. Um, it doesn't happen. It, you don't give up being the most powerful person in the world because you had a bad night. And it's not likely that Joe Biden will give it up either. You know, Hank Sheinkoff, that's why I love you. You just gave us a real commercial against uh, uh, Governor Ga- uh, Gavin Newsom off the top of your head in a, in a matter of a few seconds. And it was a pretty good commercial that could run against him. Well, I have to work out the visuals and do some editing in the text. But that's kind of the argument. I mean, there's the Kamala Harris thing. All you got to do is go to the border. You know, it's really a simple ed. You know, Joe Biden, he's president. He sent Kamala Harris, his vice president, to the border to come up with a plan to protect America. Well, what's the result? And then you go through the stats to show New York, people on the street and the rest of it. You know, 
Um, and then he closed it up with, that's the job she did when it came to protecting America's borders. So what do you think she's going to do in the White House? Are you ready for that? That's the end of that. I mean, it's not that complicated to come up with ads that define um, campaigns. I've been doing it for, I don't want to tell you how many decades, but <laughs> listen, it, it, we, are in a, we are in an interesting point in history. It, will the Democrat Party survive as we know it? And can the Republican Party survive as it's becoming? Um, we don't know the answer yet, but we do know that the nation is feeling a tremendous sense of unease. And that's one of the reasons why Joe Biden um, is getting the kind of lousy polling back that, that we also see. People would like to like him, but the country is so divided. And going back to what we started with at the beginning of the program, I mean, if you look at, again, numbers with African-Americans and intensity, it's not just favorables, but intensity, Muslim Americans and Jewish Americans. And it's just those are mainstays of the Democrat Party. And they're all um, they're nervous and they're not happy. And uh, you can't you can't have a coalition if all the parts are falling apart. In a moment, uh, throughout the country, I will be taking your telephone calls, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. We are chatting with political consultant Hank Scheinkoff. You mentioned uh, Nikki Haley. How do you explain her success? Um, that she's more um, That she's more direct and more concise than anybody who appeared on the debate stage with her. That she is a woman. She's a, she's a governor. Governors tend to be elected president more frequently, or to be more successful in presidential campaigns than other elected officials. If you look at the history of the United States of America. Um, three, she's served. Three, she's also served the country as a, as an ambassador. Four, she's raising money. Five, well, she's beginning to become the darling of the non-Trump Republicans. People with big cash like the Koch brothers and others who've said publicly that they'd rather have her because they know that Trump could lose. Um, They don't want to take that risk. They just don't. Interesting. Why is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis not resonating? Because he's not a nice person. I mean, that comes. you can tell people, you know, you can't fool voters that frequently. You can lie to them a little, but they're not stupid and they tend to figure things out. DeSantis has come across as wooden. Um, not being kind. Um, he seems to be right on the social issues, but it doesn't sound like he's doing them because he cares about people, but rather that it's his position. In other words, the issue is relatedness. Ron DeSantis cannot seem to be relate, can't seem to relate to people. He can't seem to relate in a way that makes sense. He's filled with contradictions and um, there's no warmth on that stage. You know, the other, in the last debate, he really looked like he was kind of mad about being there. And how dare Haley even even begin to talk? You know, it was just terrible. Um, you just, you gotta, president's got to have a little warmth, you know. People have to be believed that you have to care about people rather than being just about issues. You've got to have some warmth. And she has that on the stage. Chris Christie doesn't. Vivek, Vivek is very vivid, but he's not, he's not, uh, he's not uh, a candidate for president of the United States. Um, you know, it's just, it was interesting. DeSantis, well, like I said, he's... He's not very warm and he's not uh, believable as someone who cares about the individual futures of individual Americans. We are chatting with political consultant Hank Scheinkoff, the presidential race, the last debate, what's going to happen in the future. The voting starts very soon. Uh, what about five weeks from now? The Iowa caucuses, uh, not actually voting, but caucusing. So 
it's my contention, my contention, Hank Scheinkoff, and I'm Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano this morning. Frank has the morning off. My contention, one of the smartest things Trump ever did was avoiding these debates. What do you say? Brilliant maneuver, because he was able to create the Donald Trump show without interruption. If he had gone to the debate stage, he would have had to answer questions. Donald Trump has been brilliant about this. He's played it brilliantly. He's not answering questions. He's not asking questions. He's running his own show. And this will be, should he win the nomination, the greatest public relations uh, victory probably in American history. Why? Because he didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to engage his opponents. All he had to do was continue the Donald Trump show throughout the nation without interruption and without a commercial sponsorship, and he would win. So uh, two last questions. One, I'll just say it this way. Poor Chris Christie, what do you say? Um, you would have thought, and, and really this is before the uh, the Bridgegate scandal where he got, where his people got caught uh, jamming up the uh, George Washington Bridge traffic. It's kind of stupid. Um, you would have thought, and, and before he, that seemed to be very selfish. You know, when Tom Kane was the governor of Jersey, and he's a Republican as well, uh, he used the money and he used his his his, uh, his reelection campaign to bring his own party into control of the legislature, which he did successfully. Right? When Chris Christie ran for reelection, he used his money and his time and his popularity and his and his goodwill to do nothing for anybody else but himself, and he got into trouble doing it. So the downfall of Chris Christie, and then he Lenny went into the same pen with Donald Trump. The downfall of Chris Christie lies with one person, and that is Chris Christie. Finally, Ramaswamy. Uh, at first, he was, I thought, it, the first debate, I was like, this guy has it. He could be on the ticket with Trump. But then, by the time we've come around currently, Hank Scheinkoff, political consultant, uh, for lack of a better term, you almost want to, like, slug the guy that's how irritating he is on the stage. Is is my assessment wrong or am I more right here? No, you're correct. Listen, people need to like the people they vote for or they need to dislike them because they're at least interesting and they have something that other people that the American that the public who's voting needs. We don't get the sense from Vivek that uh, Ravaswamy that the public needs anything he's saying. He is belligerently uh, What's the good word? He's belligerent in his alienating everyone. He's nasty in his comments, and he does not appear to be um, really coherent on an awful lot of issues beyond beyond an almost jingoism that doesn't speak about tactics or strategy, but rather responses to things that are just around him at the moment. We can't have someone like that because because you know when it comes to making the kinds of decisions to keep this nation out of war, which is where we're heading, unless something changes very quickly. And this war will be very different. We're going to have to rebuild our military now. We're going to have to re- – that may mean a draft. It's certainly going to mean reviving our uh, nuclear fleet to, to be com- competitive with the Chinese to protect our interests worldwide. You know, you can't take a risk with people who are going to just throw a bomb at everybody they see. And that's what Vivid comes across as, a bomb thrower with, with loose targets. I close this way, Hank Scheinkoff, political consultant, and I do appreciate this time this morning for you staying up to be with us. You started out talking about how things can change rapidly in politics. Here it is. President Biden is safe after his car collided, after our car, excuse me, collided with his motorcade in Delaware. So things can check, can change rather, rather quickly. And I mean, who would think that a car would collide with his motorcade? Now, listen, 
Who would have thought that President Reagan would have would have survived an assassination attempt? Or who would have thought that he was even shot? Who would have thought that uh, that one of the crazy Manson people would try to kill uh, Gerald Ford? I mean, on and on and on. Nothing is stable in politics on a daily basis. The only thing that makes it work is that our system is stable. When you undermine the system, it's when you undermine democracy. And that is the danger we face, especially when there's threats to our security worldwide. It gives the president, whoever that might be, extraordinary power. So people are going to look for someone in their moment of fear who can make them feel that when they go to sleep at night, everything will be fine. And when they wake up in the morning, the world will still exist. That's the person we're looking for for president. And it's going to be a while before we sort that out. And I want to thank you, Hank Sheinkoff, for uh, joining us. Happy holidays to uh, to you and your family. And I look forward to chatting with you in the future. I'm Dominic Carter filling in for Frank Morano. Frank has the morning off. You are listening to The Other Side of Midnight. We have a lot coming up. I'm going to brief you on some issues. For example, I'm steaming mad about something that happened in Florida A teen migrant has been charged after a deputy had a fatal heart attack, a fatal heart attack amid a struggle. We'll update you on that. Plus, last hour, here on the other side of midnight, we did the segment on Tamara Tucci, and Tamara uh, reached back out to me. Uh, She's having a double mastectomy in 48 hours, and Ina Uh, in Manhattan, New York, had asked about whether or not she was in the World Trade Center area. And Tamara uh, sent me a comment, and she said, yes, I lived in Park Slope, Brooklyn, and I have thought about the World Trade Center situation. So again, she's having a double mastectomy 48 hours from now. Let me tell you what's coming up. What's coming up here on the other side of midnight, Frank Marano's uh, has the morning off. I'm Dominic Carter filling in. We are wait, awaiting a phone call from, and it's at the top of the hour, the former Correction Officers Union President, Norman Seabrook. And I really want to talk to him because he's a shoot-from-the-hip type guy about crime and about out-of-control young people. No matter where you are listening to this show from, no matter what state, you know exactly what I am talking about. We are going to take a break. Again, you can reach me right now, live, 800-848-9222, The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
are back. Dominic Carter here with you this morning. And for Frank Morano, Frank has the morning off. You are listening to the other side of midnight. Good morning, folks. The presidential race, more and more, it's looking like Trump, Trump, Trump. Here's why that's a good thing. One major reason, the migrant situation. Pick a city, pick a state, and increasingly, it's out of control. This one has me spitting angry. A situation in uh, Florida. An illegal migrant from Guatemala is now facing a manslaughter charge after a Florida sheriff deputy suffered a fatal heart attack during a May struggle with the now 18-year-old in St. Augustine. And the young man entered the U.S. illegally through the southern border last year, age 17, and eventually made his way to St. Augustine to work on farms, according to court papers. The officer, 52 years old, first spotted the laborer in a parking lot in a Super 8 motel around 9 p.m. on May 16th. According to the arrest report, and you'll hear what happened in just one second, the teen began walking away from the area after he saw the officer approaching in his marked cruiser. Now, this man, this great American officer is dead. No more for his family after this migrant decided He claimed he didn't speak much English. You're going to hear the deputy tell him, don't pull away from me. And he does it anyway. They get into a struggle and the deputy has a fatal heart attack. This migrant situation, the southern border being wide open, this has to stop. I want you folks, and we're taking your telephone calls up until the top of the hour, 800-848-9222. Dominic Carter here with you in for Frank Morano. 800-848-9222. Listen to this, folks. These are the last words of this sheriff deputy before he lost his life dealing with a 17-year-old migrant that should not have been here to begin with. Do you have any ID and identification? Uh, License? What? ID, identification. ID, uh, yeah, yeah. In the room? Yeah. Okay, what's your first name? Huh? Your first name? I'm sorry, I'm speaking. Okay, do you have any weapons on you? Huh? You have any weapons on you? No. Well, you know what that is. Turn around, let me look. No. Turn around. No. Turn around. Bye. No. Don't walk no, away from me. No, no, sorry, sorry. Don't pull away from me. I'm checking you for what? Get your hands away from your... No, no, Stop! No, no. Stop! No, no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh. 
And so the deputy is no more. He had a fatal heart attack in this account, in this encounter with a 17 year old migrant who's now 19, who should not have been in the country to begin with. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Coming up, We are awaiting the call right now. We're going to discuss the issue during the 4 a.m. hour of the other side of midnight. We're going to talk crime and some emphasis on some out of control young people. A colorful uh, character, if you will, is going to be joining us. His name is Norman Seabrook. He is the former Correction Officers Union President, uh, based out of New York City. We're looking forward to a lively discussion with him. But in watching the uh, Sunday morning shows, something that uh, caught my eye, uh, and I'm Dominic Carter, in for Frank Morano this morning, was uh, two things caught my eye. One, I fully support Israel flooding these Hamas tunnels in Gaza. Hamas has to be flushed out and eliminated one way or the other. One way or the other. Dominic, what about the uh, the hostages? Israel has done everything that she could do, that Israel could do, to return as many hostages as possible. Obviously, we still want to be in a situation where hostages are returned. But at some point, Israel must go on with what must be done. Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican out of South Carolina, struck a dire tone about the state. He's only telling the truth about the state of the U.S.-Mexico border. So what does telling the truth mean? Sounding the alarm, let's face it, about the growing potential for another September 11th terror attack while giving the uh, warning and uh, Graham appeared on NBC's meet the press Sunday. He's indicating that the odds are not looking good, not looking good at all that a bipartisan deal on Ukraine and the border before the year's end, that it's not looking good, that the odds of it passing are pretty low. The South Carolina Senator is even, even alluding to recent warnings from FBI director, Christopher Ray, that the war in Israel has produced terrorists inspire inspiration, the likes of what we haven't seen since ISIS. He's right. You can't say that's partisan politics. Listen 
to what Lindsey Graham had to say on NBC's Meet the Press Sunday. According to the FBI director last week, he's never seen more, more threats to the homeland than he does today. Wherever he looks, he sees blinking lights. The border has been obliterated since January 21 till now. Uh, we've had 6 million people come to date. There are 3.6 million on schedule to come this year alone. The policy choices of the Biden administration has made the border a dangerous place to come to. America is under threat, according to the FBI director, since October the 7th. Uh, jihadist groups want to attack us because we're helping Israel. I've never been more worried about a 9-11 than I am right now, and our border has been obliterated, and we're not going to give in on some uh, Band-Aid fix. And thus, we're at a uh, impasse, and uh, it doesn't appear anything's going to get done. But that's become standard operating procedure as it relates to Washington. And Republicans want to clamp down at the border, which is the right thing to do. And for some reason, for one one reason or another, Democrats talk a good game, but nothing ever gets done. And that's another reason why Trump is doing so well in the polls. And as I predicted, with all of these uh, indictments, all you did was make him a martyr. I don't know anyone, unless they're highly partisan, that takes these indictments seriously. And now, you may have heard from the conversation I just had with uh, political consultant Hank Sheinkoff. Now, the Supreme Court is even weighing in, putting the case on hold. Remember, the federal case, January 6th, they wanted it to start the trial, the prosecutors, in March. In three months from now, when voting at the Iowa caucuses get underway in, what, four and a half weeks, five weeks? It's going to be very, very, very interesting to see how all this plays out. Dominic Carter here with you. The other side of midnight, Frank Morano has the morning off, and we are taking your telephone calls up until the top of the hour, 800-848-9222 from around the country, 800 848 Former First Lady Michelle Obama. Some of her work has been admirable in terms of, as First Lady, she led that campaign, Bring Our Girls Home, which was calling for the return of hundreds of Nigerian schoolgirls kidnapped by an Islamic terror group. So who can disagree with that? It was a wonderful thing to do. But how about some consistency? 19-year-old Nama Levy, one of the young ladies kidnapped by Hamas. And according to her parents, you're going to hear from her mother right now. 
according to her parents, Nama Levy wants to make the world a better place. And she idolizes Michelle Obama for speaking up for women. But Michelle Obama is not speaking up for the young ladies, the women of Israel. Very silent, prominent American women. Where are they to speak up as it relates to Nama Levy and all the other women in Israel that have been brutally raped by these animals? I want you to listen. I'm going to talk about her, her father in a second. I want you to listen to a campaign, if you will, that her mother is engaging in, willing to do anything, everything, to try and assist her daughter. My name is Ayelet. I'm Nama Levy's mom. She's 19 years old. And I'm a mom too. Nama was in Nachal Oz on the 7th of October. And she was kidnapped by Hamas. We received a video of her handcuffed and wounded and being brutally shoved into the uh, front seat. I worry about her, her, you know, her basic needs like any mom would worry. And, and I worry about what's going on in her mind, in her, in her, in her soul. I just want to go, go there and get her. I just want to go and get her, but I can't. So I'm just doing anything I can, everything I can to bring her back, to bring all our families and children held in Gaza, bring them back. What would you do if your daughter was being held hostage by violent rapists and murderers for two months? And perhaps the better question is, is there anything you wouldn't do? Is there anything you wouldn't do? This young lady's father says that he can't watch the pictures or the videos. And his daughter has become, Nama Levy, has become the poster child for this. Dominic, what are you talking about? She's the young lady. Her hands are bound. And one of these Hamas animals is escorting her to what appears to be a vehicle. And she has on jeans, and on the back of her jeans, there's dried blood everywhere. So what do you think that says to a father? What do you think that says to a father? You just heard the mother state that what do you do when... Your daughter's been kidnapped by a bunch of rapists and murderers for two months. And again, the emphasis, the emphasis on her last few words. What would you do if your daughter was being held hostage by violent rapists and murderers for two months? And perhaps the better question is, is there anything you wouldn't do? 
All right, folks, Dominic Carter here with you and for Frank Morano. Frank has the morning off. Let's go to the telephones. You can reach me up until the top of the hour, 800-848-9222. Robert, Suffolk County, New York. Good morning, Robert. You are on the other side of midnight. Good morning, Dominic. Well, first of all, I'm saddened by the death of the officer you just mentioned. Yes, I think we all are. Uh, about Shankoff, I disagree with him on a couple of points. It's really not a personality or a beauty contest. He had made a uh, remark about DeSantis being wooden and about the issues. Well, it really is about the issues. This election is unlike any other, I think. Robert, I, I hear you. Robert, I hear you, and I'm going to let you finish. DeSantis is done. It's over. He doesn't have the personality to be president. He's not resonating at all. One of his, one of the chief uh, people of one of his packs just quit. It's over. It's about Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. But go ahead. Well, I hope not. I mean, I feel he has more of a chance. He's done more than Haley has done as a governor for his state than she has, I think. Well, that may be the case, Robert. But as I have consistently said, that it's one thing when you're looking at a coronation. And DeSantis coming out of Florida was a coronation, right? One re-election record, record uh, uh, percentage of his victory. Wonderful. But he wasn't tested before the American people on a national basis. And now that he's being tested, you may not like it. And I'm, I'm sure every caller within the sound of your voice agrees that it's about the issues, but it's also about personality and he just doesn't have it. Robert, no matter, no matter how you look at this, he, the Santos just doesn't have it. Okay. One last thing. What if later Donald Trump gets the nomination and then he patches things up with the Santos not going to happen. Not, not going to happen. As a, as a, as a Trump, Trump is never going to forgive him for running. That's not going to happen. Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano. When we come back, a conversation on crime and out of control young people. We will be right back. 